Welcome to the Spiritual Hangout. Be prepared to expand your mind and connect with your heart. Higher conscious conversations aim to guide you on your spiritual journey. I am Leslie Demai. Today's episode is with one of my all-time favorite tarot reader, Carrie from Scorched Earth Tarot. And Spirit led me to her YouTube channel not that long ago, it was this year, and I immediately knew she was speaking my soul language. Carrie addresses a lot about the shadow self during her readings, and she considers herself a shadow worker. Uh, there's a lot of stigma behind the shadow self, behind shadow work. There's also a lot of stigma behind tarot reading. So we help break down a lot of those misconceptions. And I think Carrie just does this so effortlessly because she embodies the shadow warrior. Her own journey is fascinating. And she Carrie believes that the traumas and dark shadows she's faced were necessary to help her understand what plagues the souls of others. Scorched Earth Tarot launched on YouTube in 2019, and Carrie has since already made over 600 videos and has had nearly 2 million views. For those of you curious about tarot and shadow work, this episode is for you. Without further ado, here's Carrie. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Hangout, Carrie. Thank you very much for having me. It's so wonderful to, to finally meet you. I just listened to my reading for September last night. Right. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a Sagittarius um, and everyone tuning in, please head to Scorch Earth Tarot after this interview and um, check out your readings. Tarot in particular is quite a mystery and interesting to many people. Um, and there's a lot of falsehoods behind it and uh, stigma behind it. Um, so your channel I resonated with because you say you are a shadow worker as well. And I consider myself a shadow worker and most of us are without even knowing what it's called. But um, would, can we kind of start with uh, what shadow work is and what it means to you in particular? Well, let's start with the definition of the shadow itself. And, and it's a term that comes in this form from Jungian psychology. But you can see echoes of it, I think, in all sorts of different, I think shamanism deals with this kind of aspect of things. And, and essentially the shadow is merely that which you disavow in yourself. You boil it down to something as simple as that. Now, for some people that can be uh, <clears throat> well, it is in, in all people, it is traits that you perceive in yourself as undesirable. And for me, it was sort of a light going on when I realized the extent to which everybody disavows something about themselves. And it comes from early environment often. So um, there's a chap called Robert Bly, who wrote a book on, uh, I think it was the little book on the human shadow or something like that. And <clears throat> he likened small children to, to 360 degree balls of energy. They just are. If you, if anyone who's spent any time around small children, just, they don't really perceive anything outside of themselves at all. And they just run around being exactly what they are mm -hmm. until those in their environment start telling them that you, you can't shout when you do this. 
<clears throat> jumping around all of the time is not a desirable trait you know and we're in a position of such vulnerability in our youth that we're pre-programmed to pay very close attention to these and some of these you know are, are verbally stated by parents but but often these are these are cues from body language you know the, the ways that parents react to their children so you may find that um you know a child who was very loquacious in youth you never stopped talking but there was born to a parent who had a lot going on in their own head and this constant chatter from the child was actually driving them nuts they, they were always getting a negative response from the parent when they were chattering away would then learn to be very quiet they don't want to volunteer information as they get older about themselves because it's pre-programmed in at a very early age that, that this leads to discomfort in the people around them you know that that's just one example um <clears throat> so the active shadow work then is the process of like retrieving those bits of you that you have disavowed and bringing them back to yourself for integration um, and the importance of this is because when you put things into the shadow, they don't go away. That's it. They're not just gone. Then they they stay there. And, and it's like, I think it was Robert Bly again, he said, it's like dragging a bag behind you full of things. And by the time you get into your teens, that bag is actually quite significant. By the time you get into adulthood, it's incredible how heavy that bag is. And then what we find is is that we end up projecting and we meet people and we, you know, when you meet somebody <clears throat> and they really, really wind you up and there's one thing about them that really, really winds you up. And generally they are showing you what it is in you actually that you do not like to see. And that's, that's where we have that really negative kind of <sighs> feeling when we interact with them. So everybody projects. They can't help themselves. Everybody does it. And becoming aware of your own projections, which is your shadow essentially trying to make itself, um, allows you to deal with them, integrate that which you have disavowed back into, you, and then hopefully stop projecting. That's the idea. Um, and I think in the process, you become very aware of other people's projections too. I don't know if you've ever read um, Four Agreements. Mm -hmm. I have it right here. You do? I'll just shut this right here, <laughs> Fantastic, right. Well, when I read that, the, the one thing that really, really um, baffled me was the don't take anything personally. I read that and I was like, how can you not take anything personally? You know, the, the world is full of people doing things that are personal attacks at you. And I get it now. I understand the point is when you understand how much other people's projections are really only telling you something about them, it's not a reflection on you and you should not internalize it as such. You kind of walk around and you realize just how gripped by the throat most people are with their own shadow. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably a good foundation place to start, really. Ah, I love how, how you really mentioned project, projecting it, because mm -hmm. a lot of times it's always this 
these things we carry internally, but whatever's going on internally, all that is, is a representation of what's happening externally. Mm-hmm. And, and then you take it to one level deeper and it's like, what you're encountering in other people is actually your own shadow that you're recognizing in them. Absolutely. And a question to you is, so when we recognize something in, in someone else that's triggering us and it, that's our shadow, how does, what does that have to do with the other person? Is that something that all of a sudden they're being like, they're acting this way because they're triggered because they recognize it in us too? Does that make sense? Like, how does that play out? I think for the most part, you really need to, you don't need to, you may if you wish. I think it comes down to the fact that it's all about personal responsibility. Like we find it very, very easy to judge other people. Uh, I came across something once and said, uh, we judge ourselves by our intentions and other people by their actions. And I thought, oh, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that is exactly what it is. And and how many times have there been people out there who have hurt us in some way or another? Who thought they were doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but actually probably they were coming from a place of fear and the shadow and you know all that sort of thing. It's not for us to judge other people. It's not for us to to do anything other than deal with what is coming up in us at any given point. You know, and, and along the way there will be people who would trigger us, along the way there will be people who assist us. But ultimately, it all comes down to the self for me. So speaking of all this, I had a personal question I would like to ask you. Who was Carrie before beginning her spiritual journey and completely devoting your life to what you're doing now? Oh, (laughs) well, that's quite a multifaceted we could go off on all sorts of tangents about that uh, I think probably it could be summed up as train wreck mm. um, although from as young as I can remember I was always interested in the hidden things I was always naturally drawn to that and I learned to read very very early um, I was reading at three, which my mother thought was perfectly normal and I thought was perfectly normal because I was her first child. Um, but she said it was really odd. She didn't, she didn't really teach me that much. I just sort of knew. She said it was the strangest thing. I just sort of knew how to read and she kind of helped me with some of the longer words. And then after that, I just knew and I just devoured books from that point on. So um, I was kind of done with children's books by the time I was about eight. Um, and I got very interested in consciousness very, very early. I remember picking up a, a book on, on um, you know, Hindu concepts of consciousness when I was about 11 and reading that and most of it sailed straight across my head. I had no idea what it was, but I was interested in it anyway. And I, I read some books on Taoism and all sorts of things. And that pull towards the spiritual I feel was always there Um, my mother was somewhat of a reluctant medium 
I think that's probably the best way to put it. She used to see ghosts all the time and she hated it and she really wished that she didn't, but she did. So there was always that aspect of it in my household growing up. Um, and then everything else came from books, but also this kind of insatiable curiosity for, well, to know things. I've always been driven by the need to know. I like to know everything. In fact, it's one of the things that makes me most sad about my human existence is that there is literally no way I can learn all the things that I want to learn before I, um, before I die with area. So <clears throat> I came from a pretty abusive background um, and I did not really realise until I kind of got into my teens and I started mixing with friends and uh, seeing how their families worked and realising that my view of reality was completely distorted, like I had no idea what a functioning family actually was supposed to look like. And even with that in mind, I just seemed to career from one trauma and disaster to another, but always with this this leaning towards the spiritual and always desperately trying to do the right thing and it not quite happening up and then, you know, just distressing and traumatic things happening. It's been a constant tension, actually. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Like that, that that's the spiritual journey is is very obvious and very present in my past and my past experiences. You can see it. If you had to write it all down, you could kind of see exactly where this was always going. Um, <clears throat> but I was very damaged, very, very much in the grip of the shadow, very much in the grip of, of old traumas, codependent relationships, codependent attitudes. It was very difficult for a long time. And really the, the point at which I became devoted to my spiritual practice, if you want to put it that way, was was after the last most traumatic event when um, I was assaulted on my birthday um, in 2017. And uh, I got a concussion that didn't go away. I was diagnosed with post-concussion disorder. And... Um, had a considerable drop in my um, working memory and my verbal fluency and all sorts of things. I essentially was just stopped by the universe and all of the things that I've been driving forwards, trying to achieve in my damaged train wreck way, were whipped away from me. And for 18 months, I could do nothing um, apart from it slowly deconstruct myself. And what I didn't realise until well, probably about 2019 was that the kind of work that I have always tried to do on myself is shadow work. I didn't know there was a term for it. I didn't know it was a thing that people did. Um, but it, it felt very much like the universe just kind of stopped me and went, no, you need to do this properly now. And in order for you to do this properly, you will do nothing else for the next 18 months because you will not be allowed. You can't function enough do anything for the next 18 months and I did essentially just stare at a wall pretty much I would get up in the morning I'd feed my children I would take them to school I would come back 
it's terrible. It was a true burnout, I think. And in the absence of being able to read or finish the thesis for my master's degree, which I was doing at the time when that happened, absolute lack of in, uh, a desire to engage with the world outside my four walls at all. I just started unpicking who I was. And in the process, I realized that a lot of what I was carrying around with me wasn't me. Mm. Actually, these were things that circumstance and people and particularly other people's projections had instilled there from a very early age. And I thought I'd done all of my work by my mid-twenties on, you know, my relationship with my mother and, and, and the various abuses that I, I suffered as a child. <clears throat> no, <laughs> it turns out I had not nearly finished that. Um, and does one ever really finish this work? I'm not sure that we do. And so it was a very slow, deliberate release of all of those things. And, and the shadow work is, is not for the faint-hearted. It can, um, it can be excoriating at times because it isn't just about understanding the harms that other people have done to you and then eradicating from yourself you know, the results of that. It is also taking responsibility for those things that you have inflicted on other people, mm. exercise of your shadow. And like I said at the beginning, that personal responsibility is the real driver for me, um, simply because I had to, in that time, sort of face up to ways in which I had not behaved well. I had been driven by fear. And I had let the shadow take over. And yeah, sorry, I've completely forgotten your question. I went on a proper little wonder there. Bring me back. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you answered it really. Okay, wonderful. That's good. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on real quick. No, no, no. I think <laughs> more than answered it. And um, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing sharing all of that with us. It's really personal. And um, I think people are going to, I don't know, get a better sense of how, who, who you are, like everything you had to go through, everything you've been through. We all have our stories, but it's amazing how you're able to take all of that and turn it into what you're doing now. You know? It was a point. In fact, there were many points across my life where when I sat and tried to work out what the point of me was, as I think we all do at some point, you know, we, we ruminate on the nature of consciousness and then life purpose and things. And, and why am I here? What am I here to do? What is the point of being human? You know, and, and, and I wrestled with all of these things and I just kept coming back to the same idea, which was that I was, I was here to suffer for some reason that I couldn't understand. And it was like, every awful thing that had ever happened to any human was vested upon me at some point in my life. And I could not understand why, and I just wanted it to stop. It was becoming so difficult. I, I lost my daughter. I lost my husband two years later. I, my, my family, as it was, was, was halved in two years. 
Mm. It was just me and two children left and there were all the other things that were going on. And I was I don't understand. Like I try so hard. I work so hard. And yet. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'm just here to suck up all of this misery. And then other people don't need to experience it. You know? It was quite an unenlightened perspective on things, but whilst doing the washing up, just it just hit me like a train. And it wasn't as long ago as, as I would like to bear. It was only about three years ago. And it was this perspective that it's given me. It's a, it's an understanding that it's given me in so much as when I have a client sit down in front of me, I can guarantee that there is a thing that they are wrestling with mm-hmm. there and then that I have experienced. I can't tell you the number of people who come to me who have head injuries, those who suffered you know, from narcissistic abuse. You know, the, the, the list is endless, mm-hmm. but there's always that commonality. And, and the interesting thing is doing what I do. I'm very used to looking into people's souls and I can see what they're wrestling with <clears throat> and I can show them the way out. Mm-hmm. I, from my experience, what I've done, this is what helps. Mm-hmm. What I wasn't expecting was the fact that they can see into me too. Mm. That's been the most humbling part of all of this because I've been so used to being unseen my entire life that I actually prefer to be that way right that that's a pattern from childhood is stay out of the way don't draw attention to yourself and then you are safer than you would be <clears throat> if you were being your normal Leo self with things you know and it's just come to this point now where I'm naturally quite quietly spoken and I'm an introvert and I don't tend to you know make a big song and dance about things It's been a curious journey of learning to be vulnerable. And I do not sit in front of my subscribers and say, right, I know everything because I've I've been right the way through this now. It's actually a a journey that we've gone on together. And every time I do a video for Sagittarius, for example, like I am taking something, but I am learning something. It's like we're on this journey together, all of us. Like I looked into the abyss and the abyss is, looked back into me it's uh i love that way of looking at it carrie because it's true it's so true we all can recognize heartache we can all recognize shame and in each other you know and do you think that do you think that some of what you're able to recognize in other people you know their shadow do you think some of it has to do with just karmic things as well i mean has this been a journey you've been doing for many 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 lifetimes well i'm just gonna come out and say flat yes like years old having a mom who was an intuitive surrounded by all of this knowledge already at such a young age i mean my mother was an intuitive but she she had come from an extremely damaged background as well so she was highly intuitive but her empathy needed a bit of work shall we put it that way and uh, it, it was a struggle like I said it's, we're, we're back to this tension again 
that have always been fighting against. I've been trying to do good things, but been in very, very different, difficult um, environments. And it's funny, my cousin, who is my mother's sister's son, um, okay. he's an Aquarius. So he's my direct opposite on the zodiac, right? He's an Aquarius, I'm a Leo. We're virtually exactly the same age. And uh, I was having a conversation with him. Um, crikey, was it last year or maybe the year before? And I said to him, you know, I used to think that I'd been born into entirely the wrong family. Like, I couldn't work out why I was there. Like, I just didn't fit in. That's just somewhat of a theme for me throughout my life, but I just didn't fit in there. Um, but now, sitting where I am, I think I was born into exactly the right family because it's given me this, this perspective, this skill set, you know, whatever it is. And he said, Carrie, uh, that is exactly the same thought process that I had too. And it's like, we're both doing our work and both of us have this idea that there are, well, certainly within our family line, there is a lot of generational karma that needs working out. And he lives in New Zealand as well. So he's literally on the other side of the world. I'm a Leo here in the UK and he's an Aquarius over in New Zealand and we're both working on the same thing, which is very, very cool. Um, <clears throat> but two things. The first thing was uh, I finally took a proper look at my birth chart about two and a half years ago. Uh, I spent a New Year's Eve, six hours on a New Year's Eve with my birth chart in front of me and Googling furiously watching videos trying to work out what all of these things meant like what, what is the first house what is the third house what are, what do all of these things mean and i discovered that i had a stellium in the eighth house and i was like is this a good thing is this a bad thing i don't know what it is and what i found out was that my stellium in the eighth house <clears throat> part of which is both saturn and pluto sort of shows me that the amount of work that I was always supposed to do in this life was, was far in excess of what most people would consider to be appropriate for one lifetime anyway. So I felt like I was on the right track once I found that out. But I did have a past life regression. And I did one um, about two years ago. And I think it took me about four and a half months before I felt comfortable enough to discuss it with anyone. And then I only really discussed it with my sister um, because it was just full of misery. Mm. Misery and suffering and shame and loss. <laughs> so yes, I, I think I seem to be on an accelerated timeline of dealing with these things now. So it's perhaps not really a surprise that I've ended up taking a lot of people with me on this journey. I think it's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm. But it's so rewarding. This is, this is the important thing. I think often when people come across shadow work and they consider it, they think, okay, well, it would be nice not to have to suffer anymore. And it's, it's more about the elimination of the suffering. But actually on the other side of about the shadow work, you have relief and release and more of an ability to be able to experience joy 
than you had before. You have more of a capacity for it than you had before. And so it is a joyful experience. It is something that actually I feel very excited about once I realise that there's something that I need to work on. Um, <clears throat> Although this last eight months, which has been pretty much constant shadow work for Leo's, I, it was a bit hard work for a while there. I feel like I'm kind of popping out the other side again. Certainly the other Leos that um, follow the channel seem to be confirming that we do seem to have turned the corner now and thank heaven for that because a bit much, <laughs> a bit it's much, so eight months solid. It's so much. It's so much. But then we get those glimpses, like after we have a release, and then we get to feel those moments of just where nothing else matters except, you know, feeling that wholeness and the oneness. And just, it just makes it that much more meaningful because you know that you had a fight to get there. You know, you had a fight, like you had to really put the work in. And I have this weird thing of like, well, do I call it a fight? Is it a fight it, or is it just an acceptance? Is it, what is it? It's, but then like, it's so many things, you know, it's, it is so many things. And like coming back to the four agreements, I mean, we're plugging this in a couple of times here. But it's also <laughs> like being a master with your words, you know, how to master the word and, and all of that. So I'm always kind of going back and forth with, you know, what I'm saying, but basically it's a lot of things, but we still get those moments of just complete beauty and bliss too, you know? I never expected to understand what it was to be peaceful in really? my lifetime. How about like, how about if you were getting like a massage or something and you were in the sauna, you were like in this super relaxing spa, would you be able to relax then? Like, were you, like no. I used so to have that type of, that was anxiety for me back in the day. I couldn't even get a massage because someone, massaging me would like make me get anxiety and I would feel all these weird physical manifestations like tinglingness and I could feel the toxins going through my body when I was like 20 and I remember I was like I can't even feel comfortable during a massage but, but what do you think that is for you like what do you think that is I mean is it that is it that we don't feel we deserve to have that peace are, are you hyper focused on your mission where it's like you know what what is it so I've always been very driven and I was always very concerned with what I now see to be me proving to people that I wasn't a train wreck. And I had a, I had a very specific set of um, criteria that I felt like I had to hit in order that I would then feel comfortable that other people didn't think I was a train wreck. Oh God, I've been through that too. Right, right. I think we've probably all been there, right? So I was hyper fixated on the fact. So I, I have five children and um, my first was born when I was 19 and he completely changed my life. Like the, the boy does not know to this day how much he saved my life because he was just the most magical and wonderful child and he showed me what love was right what he enabled that in me just a love with absolutely no conditions that was fully returned right but it did mean that at that point in my life all of my friends had gone off to university they were all going to go off and get good jobs and things like that and I had been you know an incredibly 
precocious child. Obviously, I had my head in books all of the time. And everybody had sort of decided that I was going to go and have some, you know, high-powered corporate job <clears throat> because I was very, very clever. And this is what I heard all the way through school. She's very, very clever, but she doesn't apply herself. And um, was... <laughs> yes, right, right. That, that was it. And so by the time I got to the point where my friends were all going up to university, I was suddenly struck that it didn't really matter how very, very clever TM I was. If I didn't achieve anything, then all of that was for naught. But now I was a mother, so I was not going to be going to university anytime soon. Yeah. And then... Um, I became, I think, hyper fixated on the idea that at some point I would go and have my career in law, because that was the thing I, I, I was sucked in by law. I just thought it was the most intellectually rigorous thing that I could think of. And it, it, it encapsulated within it things of philosophy that I adored, but there was also the advocacy, which is the that whole aspect of it was something that I really, really enjoyed. But also I've also found myself sort of fighting for the underdog yep. my entire life. And what used to really, really rile me was seeing people who weren't as very, very clever TM as I was, who were kind of put in really difficult positions where had it been me, I'd have been able to talk my way around it and say, well, hang on, no, you don't get to take advantage of me like this because I know my rights and I know this and I know that. And these people couldn't do that because they didn't have my brain. And I thought that was terribly unfair. And so I always wanted to work in something to do with that, with them. You wanted to help people yes. while yes. using your brains yes. Yes. and your passion. Yes, and, and eventually I did make it to university. I was 29 years old and I had three children by this point. And so I'd got in as a mature student and I absolutely flipped through that degree. And everybody was like, well, she's going to be a barrister. I, you don't have barristers in, uh, in the States, but in the UK, we don't have a fused legal profession. We have solicitors um, and then we have barristers. And barristers are the ones who actually take the brief of the morning of the case and they go into court and they present it to the judge. You know? And I was like, I want to do that. Very clever people, TM, do that job. And I can also help people, but no one will be under any illusions that I am very, very clever and that I am a worthy human being and I deserve to be you know, given uh, respect if I have that job title. And then at, I discovered I was pregnant with twins and they were born uh, in the second week of my final year of university. And, uh, and that knocked all of my academic plans into a cocked hat. <laughs> it really did. But yes, I see now looking back that I had hung my own validation on a piece of paper with my name on it that said I was very smart and a job description and other people's ideas of what a clever person looked like. I, I wasn't actually feeling it in myself, but my biggest problem was, was my brain, interestingly, because as magnificent as it was, it would tie me up in knots all the time. It would not let me forget difficult things from the past. And like, I guess we don't ever really forget those things, but it, it hung on to them. And it would make me depressed. I, uh, the brain injury now I see is actually a gift 
it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, you know, I'm still functioning. I'm not a potato, but my working memory is, is pretty poor. And I had to develop a whole load of sort of sophisticated and fairly holistic ways around that. But <clears throat> I was in my head all the time. After the brain injury, I had a battery of tests from the psychologist. And the psychologist said, oh, you're a concurrent thinker. And I wasn't, isn't everyone a concurrent thinker? And she went, no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, okay. So there are like 50 streams of thought going on in my head at the same time. That's a concurrent thinker? Yeah. And that's what I thought everybody's mind was like. I didn't realize that some people... Their, their thoughts are expressed in words because mine aren't okay how are yours expressed feelings and sometimes sometimes it touches on imagery but not really it's it's feelings and sensations and and just paying attention to that but that's how you can have 50 thought streams going on at the same time because if they're all talking at the same time you go literally insane but mine doesn't it it's just the way that I tried to describe it once is the way it feels is like taking a stick and putting it into hot sugar you know how you spin sugar right and it's all it's all liquid it's all boiling around in there but you put a stick in it and you pull it up like that and as you twist the stick so then you know the sugar hardens on it I often don't know exactly what I think about something until I open my mouth because I'm I'm twirling that stick around and sometimes the things that I say really surprise me and I go oh look at that that's what I think that's really interesting but but all of this is kind of boiling along underneath so I'll be you know I could be worrying about things as well as contemplating the nature of consciousness at the same time and what I'm going to make the kids for dinner you know it was all too cerebral everything was too cerebral and there was no forgiveness within me whatsoever towards me there was no compassion within me towards me um there was you were so in your head that there was nothing left in your heart for you to tune into you were being distracted from that my heart was was full of codependence because that is what i had been shown love was you know and and uh, that was my understanding of it. So I was like, right, okay, well, I understand that. That's how relationships work. That's fine. Now back to the business of, of very important head things. Thank you very much. And the brain injury was a gift because, like I said, for 18 months, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't read a book. I couldn't write anything down. I couldn't really do anything. And the only thing that I could do was sit with this. And what I realized was that there's this this constant whipping myself which I had done my entire life you must succeed you must try hard and then you know this massive perfectionist streak never ever achieving the things that I thought were necessary to an outside perspective now I think that people say to me you're the most driven person I've ever seen and I'm like I'm just a mess like you you went to a top university I mean you were highly intelligent I mean academically as well right but it's like it's never going to be enough it's never going to be we're never going to get the validation we deserve it's all it it wasn't enough that I got a a degree I had got a really good degree I wanted a first class degree but because I 
missed two months on my dissertation, I got a 2-1 instead, and I cried for a week about that. Not because I got a 2-1 degree, but because I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. And I remember my mother-in-law saying to me, you're not superwoman, Carrie. And I went, why not? And I, I, now I look back at it and it's utterly ridiculous. I've had five children, two of them were tiny babies. I've done an entire degree with all of this. I've been the chair of the Law Society at the university. The fact that I've got the degree at all is absolutely astonishing. And here I was feeling worse than dog muck because I didn't get the first. And, you know, the, my mind wouldn't let it go. Would not let it go. Wouldn't let any of it go. And it makes for a very uncomfortable inner place. Because I was quite prepared. I didn't judge other people by the same standards that I judged myself. Yeah. And I would extend much more compassion to other people than I would ever show towards myself. And if somebody showed compassion towards me, well, frankly, I just didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, what is this? No, don't do this. Never knew how to take compliments. Couldn't quite understand <clears throat> why people stuck around me anyway you know it was just like a piece of paper with my name on and that first class degree that you didn't get you know like it was now at the grand old age of 41 I can look back at the first 38 years of my life and go wow what a mess but for those 38 years you know I was I was really just trying in all the wrong ways mm. to find that peace, mm -hmm. that peace that I never ever thought that I had. I thought the peace would come with the attainment. I thought the peace would come with a job title. Mm -hmm. I thought the peace would come from knowing that everybody would know that I'm very, very smart now. Thank you very much. And that they could you know, respect me in that way. It baffles me now that I used to think like that, but, you know. It's a, it's a journey. And I think <laughs> you mentioned at the start there that I, I didn't do the, you know, this is what your ex is thinking kind of thing. Because I think on the whole, people are far too concerned with what other people think yes. about everything. Yes. They're all out looking for the one as well. And, and Ultimately, that isn't my life experience. That isn't the kind of life that I've had. Everything has come down to learning to work on myself. And if you are sat there and you are wanting to know when the one is going to come in and love you the way that you want to be loved, sweep you off your feet like you were a Disney princess, you're missing the point. Yeah. Because that one could well walk into your life and you will muck it up in some way or another because your self-sabotage will kick in, you know. Um, <clears throat> something will happen. And I think whenever you take your eye off your own personal development and you start externalising it, you know, we see it often, I, I see it often with... Um, with clients where they've had traumatic experiences and they're like, all I want is an apology. An apology? Uh, yeah, an apology or something like that. And I was like, you're not gonna get your apology. How do you feel now? 
and they're like, eh. Well, as if what you're doing is you're externalizing your closure to someone else. You're making somebody else's behavior contingent on whether you get to heal from this situation mm -hmm. or not. Take your power back to yep. yourself and you close this out because like, you might get an apology but you might not get an apology ultimately it doesn't really matter what matters is how you approach this moving forwards you know um, and so i don't I, I don't care i'm sorry i don't care what your ex is thinking i don't care if the one is heading towards you i don't care about anything other than the person that is sat in front of me right now because because knowing the value of peace now it's it's everything it is absolutely everything and when you are peaceful within your external world begins to reflect that and if there's something wrong outside of you the chances are it's got its root its cause is within you somewhere if you want to change outside, then you do it here be the change that you want to see in the world you know you want to be loved learn to love yourself first so that you can show everybody else out in the world how you would like to be treated now. absolutely Thank you very much yeah. yeah i think that was one of the hardest things i i had to really try to grasp was when i'd have talks with you know the closest people that i that i know and it's like yeah well, i just don't understand like why do we keep meeting people like this or why did this happen not that why but it's just like damn leslie like how did this happen to you? And I'm like, I have no idea. You know, it's like, I'm mm -hmm. the nicest person. I'm good to everyone. I, you know, but it's like, no, there's something I'm missing. There's something I'm missing. And so I think for me, it was really hard to accept the fact that if, you know, I was done wrong, let's say, or something mm -hmm. traumatic happened to me from an outsider, um, how could that possibly be something that was caused that was a reflection of me right and it, it was hard for me to grasp that because i thought i was doing everything right you know it's like well, i feel like i'm doing everything right i'm doing the work i'm doing this i'm doing that but it's those are the lessons that are the toughest to learn because those are the ones like the pieces that we're missing to truly transform our outer reality you know i entirely agree and you know this kind of stuff is deep work it's, it's really deep work and those kind of answers are not the ones that you're going to trip over accidentally. You know, they, they require a consistent commitment to reviewing yourself objectively and taking off the lenses of ego, which you know, shackle us all at some point or another. Uh, you know, taking into account that we we judge other people by their actions and not their intentions, but though ourselves by our intentions. It's like getting to that point of pure objectivity where you can look at yourself and reflect on your actions and go, okay, I see now. I see now where the work needs to go. And approach it compassionately. Yes. You know, it's it, it, it has to start with you, always start with you. And, and that's everything. <laughs> Loving yourself, which I have to say, I used to cringe so hard when I heard people talking about loving themselves, I was like, oh my God, how self-indulgent. Who's got time for that? You know, I didn't get it. I really, really didn't get it. And like so many things that sit at the core of, of personal work, things like let it go. The, the, the really simple things, they are simple. 
because they're universal truths. Yeah. But we mistake them for shallow often. But I think that once you actually get it and you understand what that very simple phrase means, let it go, or you know, looking at yourself and, and being honest with yourself, like, there's a profundity within that, that that activates when it is time for you to understand it. And, then, and I do think that that's the point where you start to really feel the wisdom then feel it moving through you and going I okay I see you see it completely different and it's and it's almost like the same lessons being learned where where those same words will come to you and those Mm -hmm. understandings understandings and you're like holy shit No, no 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 now I see it I see it so much deeper or I've always or I maybe I've taught this or I've been reading about this for so long and, you know, I understood it, but now it's like this deeper knowing. Now I feel it. That's the wisdom. And if if I didn't suffer and if I didn't have to come up with these lessons and these manifestations and these like external interferences that are actually internal, how the hell would I have truly understood it? How can my consciousness have evolved then? I would have been still in an illusion. And so that's, that's the, that's part of the reality with, with evolving ourselves out of these shadows, one layer at a time, one shadow at a time, the same shadow coming up, same shadow coming up, but just in a different way, you know? And um, yeah, it's really quite interesting. It's funny that you had said seeing yourself objectively and then seeing others objectively. And it reminds me like of the question I asked you initially, like who were you before, you know? And it's an entirely different version. There's a lot of the same root. There's a lot of the same ingredients there, but it's like, it's really seeing yourself as an outsider is like, holy shit. Yeah. Leslie used to see, used to be in a relationship that was like this and completely see it in such an illusion because she was being fogged up and clouded by somebody else that was projecting what she was internalizing. And it's like these chains and these webs that interconnect. But at the end of the day, like they are all they were all linked up to show you this truth eventually for to help us remember. Absolutely. And I think, I don't think reality is something that is set. I think it's fluid and it changes. I think so too. Yeah, it changes with your perspective. And I, I think people would find it very strange to, to be me for a day. because <laughs> <laughs> I want to I hang out with you for an entire day. <laughs> It's full of me. It's full of me doing all sorts of things, but then yeah, I, I kind of wander off. I experience reality very, very differently now to how I did twenty years ago, and in the same, if I was to take the mindset that I had twenty years ago, or even say five years ago, and apply it to the life that I've got now, I could find in that hypercritical mindset that I used to have a way to find the existence that I have to be right now to be very trying to be very challenging you know and I could get very maudlin about the fact that it's hard but equally if we took my mindset now that I have and go back 20 years with it there would have been all sorts of beautiful things in there that I missed at that point because I was always kind of wishing time away and that's actually one of my biggest regrets now 
that was that at the age of 20 and 25, I was just like, it would be better when I get to here, you know, and then kind of driving forwards really, really hard to get there and missing out on just little things, the things that I take really, really seriously now. Even just, you know, sight of a bird in a tree and the way that leaves me, or, you know, literally just being sat with my children and I don't care if the house is a mess and I don't care if there's things that need to be done, you know, just sitting there and enjoying their energy and hearing the things that are coming out of their minds, you know, it's, it's amazing. Simple and things. This very simple authentic things that just are part of this beautiful blessing that is life and this experience and um that's that's the truth right there you know you like you'll never be able to experience your mom the same way you did growing up you know you never be able to experience all of these things again one thing that i have noticed with people who've really really done their, sh their shadow work and they start to get in touch with their inner child they aren't afraid to play they aren't afraid to do the simple things you know the spending an hour playing with a cardboard box with a little child and actually enjoying it themselves. You know, it, it, there's something profoundly spiritual about the experience of a child that we should all be looking to take more into our lives, I think, rather than trying to make them grow up too soon and trying to fashion them into, to fit into a world which I think is actually on a lot of levels extremely toxic. Like why, why would we shape them to fit into that? Why instead would we not try and shape the world to fit in with them? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Why, why over-structurize everything? Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, I wanted, um, when I heard my reading yesterday uh, on your YouTube channel, I was like, you're such a poet. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're such a beautiful poet and I, I love poetry and I hear it coming out of you in the readings and I wanted to share a couple that I was like I have to write this down so um the first one is you pulled out the magician card and you pulled out the devil card so those are like my main cards or whatever yeah and then when you were you were coming back and forth you come back to them after a few minutes of reading other cards um, and then you said the magician is only limited by the bounds of his own imagination. Yeah. And I think that has to do with children too, like how we we're talking about the youth, their imagination is just infinite at that age. Everything is coming from their imagination space. Yeah. And Absolutely. when you're living in that place, you're being, like you said, they're just this ball of energy that their experience in life just with no reserve with no filters with with nothing that the conditioning brings upon us and as adults we can come back to that space we can become the magician how <laughs> how how eager are you to go into your imagination yeah. how do you get into your imagination you know you're blessed with your beautiful children and you've been able to experience things like this but yeah, I think, I think it's a wonderful point to bring up is how do we tap into our inner child? How do we really be present in these times of like um, doing quote unquote, you know, childish things or things that would be, you know, um, 
things that we don't usually do to try and tap into the inner child, but but how much time do we give ourselves as, as adults to do that, you know? Very, very little, I think. Um, there's a quote by Roald Dahl, um, at least it's attributed to Roald Dahl, that says, those who never look for magic will never find it. And I think there's something about the child experience with literally everything is magic and they are completely accepting of it. They don't question it at all. They don't they don't bring any kind of reservation to the table. They just accept that this magical thing that's just happened, you know, whether it's, <clears throat> and it could be something entirely innocuous. You know, you, they're full of wonder. And I always feel like the magician is full of, of wonder too. It's accepting anything that will come in. I mean, he's a lightning rod. That's what he's doing. The position that he's in there is he's pulling down, he's accessing everything that is sat there and he's, manifesting it in front of him what do you want yeah speaking of of the arm gesture you mentioned also it was the wizard and the devil card that came up the devil in this deck that you had at least also had his arm up yes it was funny that i'd never noticed it up until that point so i saw two cards what deck was that again i think it was just i think it was just in the ride away was it not okay um, I, I think it was just standard right away. I'm certain of it. Um, I'd never noticed it up until that point. But that, I mean, that's the beauty of tarot. It's decks that I've been reading with for years and years and years. And just sometimes okay. something jumps out at you that you've never noticed before. Um, I'm just... I found the devil on my end here. I've got the devil on my end here too. I'm just I'm looking for the magician. Where are you? He's hiding. Um Oh, it would be the last card. There it is. Yeah. Seeing them sat side by side. It's just extraordinary. I, like I said, it's one of the things that I really, really love about the tarot. God, this no. deck particularly, I've been working with for well, 20 years. But at that point there, while I was doing your reading and I was looking at it, they were yeah. in the same position. Can you bring it a little bit closer? And a little bit out. There we go. There we go. God, that is so interesting. How interesting is that? And you uh, brought up another little poetic line there that, oh, this one hit me to the core. You said, you are slipping from underneath the leash of fear that has ruled you for so long. And that was representative of this card. Mm-hmm. and certain shadows like the root the root shadow like the core of these shadows and they're yeah. chained up and I just the tarot cards are so incredible and I want to kind of get into that too now um and I I'm so glad that I met you because what I have been doing with my own tarot readings because I'm definitely not seasoned at it at all I literally have cheat sheets I have and, and all of that, but it was like my way of, it's my new way that I have incorporated my shadow work. So like, basically I call to my higher self mm-hmm. and I kind of just set the mood. I, I get myself super focused and I just want to know what my higher self is wanting me to see where I should focus my energy and all of that. So what I've noticed is like, that's the new way that I 
I understand what parts of myself I'm not seeing clearly that are causing whatever shit's going on in my life at that time. And that's what the cards reveal to me. Yeah. And, um, and then that's when I'm able to release things after. Mm-hmm. And then whatever, you know, really resonated with me, I keep around in my uh, visibly for the rest of the week or until I feel like I have conquered that. So let's say I got the chariot and that really represented something for me, you know, keeping it around. And then when I see that card out and I'm like, okay, like I've gone through that transition and then I'll, I'll tend to do another reading for myself after that. But I was having a, a block and it, uh, with my own shit coming up. And then this really helped me to like, finally just release this floodgate of whatever needed to be. Um, so that's how I've been kind of using my cards. How did you start? I I was just going to say, I think that's a really, really wise thing to do. I have a friend who's a chaos magician and, um, he says, observation is processing. And he's right. By observing this thing, it can't remain where it is anymore. It necessarily changes. And when you're dealing with the shadow, it is the things that you do not see about you, right? So you disavow it and you don't see it anymore, right? It's behind you. By keeping something totemic, whether it's a tarot card or a card or whatever in front of you, so that you have to keep seeing, you have to, it's there. You are processing it. And that's how the release happens. It's about identification first, acknowledgement of it being there. Because most people, when you disavow something, you you don't want anything more to do with it. You don't recognize the fact that it's there. And we engage in a lot of mental gymnastics, avoiding the confrontation with our shadow at all times. So like what you're doing there, absolutely spot on. Great. Yeah, I think I just... I think, you know, when you get sick of just delaying your process, you don't want to miss out. Like you want to do it when you got that, when your intuition kicks in, you got to take care of business because if not dissipate and you fall back asleep in that area of your life. So it's like the most important thing is like, just stay awake for as long as you possibly can ring as lucid, as long as you possibly can hold on to those moments and then uh, keep your little stepping stones whatever way you need to so that you can get back there a little quicker next time definitely it's a big month for Sagittarius all around to be honest the Sagittarians that I have in my life are really there's some very deep stuff coming up with them and uh, it's interesting to watch yeah there's some revelations coming out for us Mm -hmm. that was coming up a lot and then it finally happened to me yesterday and I was like all right, good. Like this tower moment was exactly what I needed. And, um, and I, I'm like, oh, right, I got out of this. So like, just so aware that emotions and feelings can't even like cling on to you because you're just vibing too high. It's like, oh shit. Usually this would have been some sort of emotional process. This, mm-hmm. this, you know, lots of turmoil. And now it's like, no, actually I just see it. I see it for what it is and it's okay. You know, yeah. so anyways, I'm going off of my personal stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but I like sharing with you too. And like, I just really like feel connected to you mm-hmm. and words, uh, words are like, just kind of like bullshit when it comes to like how you feel inside, you know, but I really, really feel connected to you. I, one of the most humbling and profound things about the channel is that 
everyone feels connected to me. Mm. And I say I've got the best job on the fucking planet because I sit here and I am reaching people who are uh, that I would never meet in real life. I'm, I'm I'm sitting there in their living rooms on the TV or whatever, you know, they're watching them on the phone in the car. Somebody tagged, somebody tagged me in. That's me. Post, somebody tagged me on a post on Instagram and it was um it was a chap in America somewhere and he was he was recording his facial expressions while <laughs> my reading was going on in the background. And, and it it really touched me deeply but I, I cackled because his facial expressions were so cool they were so cool <laughs> um, and, and my partner said look at you you're in a car somewhere in America dude like, no, oh, one of the first readings you're in a car with me in LA driving in traffic while I was stressing cussing out mm-hmm. everybody in traffic and then I found you mm-hmm. and I was like yes and then this last reading I was taking notes I'm gonna do shadow work after so <laughs> so you you have a profound, you know, resonance with us for all of us that reached your channel. It's, it's, it was uh, not by accident for sure. It's such a blessing to be seen. And it's something that I've been so very frightened of my entire life. And now there are, well, nearly 33,000 people who are doing it and they feel that connection. And it's, it's a blessing. It's an incredible blessing. It's just a reflection of what you're giving us because, you know, <laughs> I wanted to ask, because when you do these readings, it's like you are, and you, you already explained it, like you're literally feeling these things come up. So I know that takes a toll on your physical body and, you know, all of that. How, how, what's your cleansing process, the purification process or like prior and after, do you have one? How do you protect yourself? Um, like, what, what's the routine with you when, you when you do this? It's taken a while for me to find the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I started, I uploaded the first video in July 2019. And then I hit 1,000 subscribers by January. Nice. And then from there, it went nuts. And I did not anticipate it. I, I was prepared for failure, but not prepared for success, as the saying goes. And it it got away from me a little bit, to be honest. And like I was saying earlier about this, this not being a me sitting here and telling you what you need to do to level up because I'm some big guru. No, this is a, a side-by-side process that is occurring <laughs> here. Um, almost the way that I turned myself inside out and I did not pay attention to my own protection and you know in in all senses actually um it's been a process for me to work out how I continue to do this job and I it's not a job that's the thing like if I was to suddenly win the lottery tomorrow I would still be here I'd still turn up every day and sit here and do the video this is a calling like I've, I've feel like I was maneuvered here to this point to do what I'm doing so I do it but it's it's all the standard things I I, I take a regular salt bath Um, and often I need time where I'm just not talking literally just have a few hours where I don't talk and people don't talk to me you know, your senses and, relax the senses yeah absolutely and sometimes I've had readings that are so I had one that was so intense um last year 
Well, I've had a number where I thought I was going to pass out immediately afterwards. But this one was so intense. I was like, I have to ground myself right now. I don't know what to do. I was like, right. And I just took off my shoes and socks and I went outside and I walked down to the green down there. And there were people giving me odd looks. It was about 10 o'clock at night. But I was like, I'm, I'm all over the shop here. I have to go and put my feet on grass. I sat on the bench. And my partner rang me actually. He was like, I'll be over in a bit. And I was like, let's go. I'm just on the green. And he was like, are you all right? I was like, I am fine. I'll be back when I'm more fine. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> I turned up in my bare feet about an hour later. And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I am now. Yeah, I'm good now. <laughs> you are superwoman. Like when you were talking about superwoman earlier, like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to offend you. I don't know. Like, you know, but I, to me, you're like such a badass warrior. Like to me, you are like, you're like an X level, just, yeah, you're like a superhero. You're like a superhero. Well, actually, superhero. on that theme, on the warrior theme, I took up kickboxing seven years ago. Um, absolutely life-changing. Really Wait, I, I didn't hear that, I'm sorry. I took up kickboxing oh, seven okay. years ago. And probably that is probably the thing that sorts me out more than anything else in the world is just You're going and teacher. yeah yeah so I haven't done that much of it recently because I've been absolutely bogged down with work but yeah I'm a kickboxing instructor and um there is nothing more meditative than for a fire sign particularly this is particularly important for a fire sign I think get yourself to the point where your heart is beating really really fast you're absolutely dripping with sweat like physicality mm -hmm. is a really really good grounding mechanism for me so whether I'm going and kicking a bag solidly for an hour or whether um it's my partner that owns the gym now that he owns the kickboxing club I go right you have to absolutely flog me until I'm going to vomit and he's like right brilliant get your gloves on <laughs> and then he'll, he'll take me uh, you know through a load of really heavy rounds and something like there's something very cleansing and very purging about that and grounding you're moving the energy you're moving yeah. that energy out you're getting out mm -hmm. i i did boxing i'm, I'm gonna close i'm gonna pull a carry i gotta close this fucking window <laughs> <laughs> fucking window <laughs> all right um <laughs> Yeah, I did boxing for a while and you know, I it was it was probably the best thing I've done in a long time. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. For me, it was like just after doing these motions, these strong motions over and over, you start realizing, wait, I know why this feels good. I'm shaking things up. I'm shaking things up. So if you think boxing is good, you should try throwing your legs in there as well. It's absolutely awesome. Incredible. I'm gonna have to try it. I will <laughs> have to try it. So how are things in your side of the world? You're in England. Oh, interesting. That's a loaded question. <laughs> it is a loaded question. I have, um, I, I, I've been getting some, some pretty powerful intuitive hits about my, my corner of the world. And um, I am preparing accordingly. Okay. The energy is very strange over here at the moment. And it feels like the calm before the storm. Mm. The, the, the energy is unsettled and there's, I don't know, it feels very, very much to me like something is coming. And like I said, I've prepared as best I can. 
for that. We'll just see how the uh, how the year plays out. But I think that the, the last four months of this year are going to be really quite extraordinary in lots and lots of ways. So, yeah, we'll see how that. Speaking of that, um, have you noticed uh, similar cards coming up for all the signs or is there some sort of uh, kind of, is there something coming up for you that you think would be important for the collective and all of us to, to know? Interestingly enough, um, <clears throat> I did the six month overviews for all of the signs um, running from July to December and there was a heavy um, emphasis on personal work like if you thought it was important in the first half of the year like in the second half of the year it's critical and that everything that was going on externally you really should view as a distraction to your own personal work um, that message came through really really strongly it's like th there will be a thousand and one things that will take your attention away from your work if you let it. And that is exactly what they are designed to do. So don't fall into that trap. But interestingly, for Gemini and Sagittarius, I had a identical cards come up in November for both of those signs. And I found that really, really interesting. Um, different decks. And well, I did a whole set of readings in between those two but that November was identical and I found that really interesting because obviously there's that access just as there is between Leo and Aquarius Gemini and Sagittarius are also there too I don't know what it means but I just know that it happened um, and I think that there's a lot it, it feels almost a bit like the fabric of reality is, is shifting. The density is changing. And what's going on out there in the world at the moment seems to be <sighs> last attempt to keep things in that Capricorn top-down government restriction sort of energy that we've become used to over the last couple of years. But it's it's losing its hold yeah. on the world now and personal work is the way forwards I mean I probably would say that because of my absolute emphasis on this all the time but it, it was such a strong message and changed the way that I approached the rest of this year um from that perspective yes I I I uh I think it's the last attempt that for them to really grab hold by any ways, means way, means or ways possible. Yeah. I think everyone is important. And if it's something that that people really need to understand, it is that that they individually are important. Um I, I can't remember which sign it was. I did a reading recently. I said, you know, I can see that you feel powerless because you feel like a single drop in an ocean. And what difference is a, a single drop in an ocean going to make to anything? You know, it's just, it just becomes lost in that mass. And I said, but you need to understand that you're the entire ocean in a drop right there. 
you know, and and the humans actually have no idea of their own power. Yeah. Collectively or individually, and it's about the, the whole thrust of every single one of the readings that I did for the six month overviews was about the stepping into that, the taking ownership of that power, taking it back from where it's been um, <clears throat> given or taken or whatever and bringing it back to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been having some very interesting conversations with myself recently. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I, did you know that America is going to have its Pluto return next year? It's going to have its what return? Pluto return. No, please. If, yeah, if you have any insight on the astrology. Just a little. And which is interesting because actually at the beginning of this year, I was seriously contemplating uh, emigrating to the states and then i found out that you haven't got a pluto return and i was like oh i might wait i know <laughs> it's all about the shadows and all of that right yeah well i i i think it's really interesting because as i have been looking at, at everything that had been going on in the world what it seemed to me as a shadow worker looking at it 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 seemed to me like this was the rise of the shadow not just of us individually but countries and humanity almost as a whole. All of these things are, are rising now for us to deal with them. And uh, America having its Pluto return, which interestingly happens on the 26th, uh, 22nd of February, 2022. So okay. all of the twos thrown in there. <clears throat> oh shit. Oh shit, indeed. I'm putting the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's... Um, <clears throat> It's associated with the fall of governments. It's associated with um, any hidden corruption coming to light involving politicians, celebrities, you know, public figures. And I don't know, for, certainly from this side of the pond, it looks a little bit like America is starting to eat itself as it is now. But 2022 looks like it could well be critical well whatever happens in america is going to ripple across the world anyway and i think that the way that the shadow is rising in america at the moment is a good sort of signpost to what is going to be going on elsewhere um in that in that process so you know it, it's something to be aware of but and like i said it it, it it really does feel like everything is being shaken up because there is something really beautiful on the other side of this but whoever it is that you know in charge of having created this extremely toxic environment where we are bombarded with adverts and you know everything just the toxic nature of what it is to be alive right now <clears throat> if you are not aware of a more spiritual way of being is really starting to come to an end I really genuinely believe it's coming to an end. And whether that results in the fall of the patriarchy in, in its toxic sense and the rise of a matriarchy, perhaps, I would like to see a balance. Mm. I, I would really like to see things coming properly into a sense of alignment because we've had too much masculine 
power in charge for a while. And I think from a masculine energy point of view, so everything is ordered and structured to the point of oppression. And what we need now is some of the feminine energy to come in to bring that chaos, to really you know, throw things up in the air and give us a chance to reorder the world. There are a lot of glorious things about being alive right now. Like technology that allows me to speak to you from the other side of the fucking planet, it's absolutely incredible. Um, if we can hold on to things like that, but we can take away the corruption, we can take away the nefarious stuff, we can take away adverts that, that you know, bombard children from the age of two, three years old, telling them they need to look like this and they need to do that and they need to do the other. You know, I think the possibilities, well, we're bound only by the limits of our own imagination on that front, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Carrie, you still are offering, on top of all of the videos you have and all the content you're putting out for everyone, your Patreon channel. How many videos do you have on your Patreon channel? You have over two? They give a lot. Looks, I have absolutely no idea. Um, you have 194. Oh, goodness. How do you do that? I have so many. <laughs> I you don't do know. Readings. So you have 194 videos on Patreon. So you're constantly posting stuff on there. Um, it's yeah. very, very active. Uh, yeah. You have over 500, 600 videos on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's coming up 600 now, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. then you do your extended videos as well. Yeah. Um, Are you sure there's only one of you? <laughs> I, I wish there were more of me. I really do. I, 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 to be honest, that would be brilliant. And still, I struggle with feeling like I'm not productive enough. Oh, I know. No, I know. let's just honor your productivity. I, I want to thank you for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to share or, or um, express with us before we, before we wrap it up here at the Spiritual Hangout? No, I'd just like to say thank you for inviting me on here. It's been lovely. It's been wonderful to meet you. Like I said, when you messaged me, like <clears throat> a deep and abiding love for Sagittarians anyway. I, I, I'm thank surrounded you. with them in real life. I definitely want more of them. Well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm <Good>. here. <laughs> and all right. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And everything that you've shared with us. And if you guys want to connect with Carrie, please check out her YouTube channel at Scorched Earth Tarot. Also her Patreon channel as well. She's on Instagram. Great. All right. Well, thank you. And everyone watching, thank you for joining. You can also get this episode on YouTube where I'll have it broken down into clips and segments. Thank you so much. And <laughs>